welcome to the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast, Season 2. With your host, Byron Rogers, this podcast is dedicated to the Executive Protection Practitioner, the Private Security Professional. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the mental, emotional, psychological, physiological fitness that goes into being an efficient and effective Executive Protection Agent. Whether you're in law enforcement, whether you're a mom that's looking at how to protect her children or a father that's focused on how to protect his family, I believe this podcast has something for all of you. We might even get into some tales from the crypts of true Hollywood stories from time to time. I'm doing this podcast because I feel the reality of this job is simple. If you really want to be good at executive protection, it's more than just a job. It really is a lifestyle. And those of you who've been in the game for any serious amount of time, you already know what I'm saying is true. So if that sounds interesting to you, enjoy the show. Out. Boom. Yo, what's up, everybody? Byron Rogers here. Another episode of the Executive Protection lifestyle podcast and i've got an amazing guest today miss jackie davis how are you doing today i'm doing really well so just finished work a little while ago you know what our lifestyle is like long days yes yes and i uh i uh i watched the movie close last night so if you all don't know uh jackie davis is one of the top uh, british operatives that's been in the game for a long time um and uh they they made a, mo- a movie about her called Close, uh, which I watched last night, which was awesome. I was really oh, impressed by it. Yeah, actually, yeah. The actress actually knew me who played me. Um, really? She did really well because I had to train her. I had to train her to do our job, to be our close protection. And uh, we had to train her in the fight scenes and stuff. So, yeah, I was really proud of her, the way um, she came across. You know, I got to be honest, I uh, I can't always get into these kind of female action movies. You know, sometimes I'm kind of like, eh, maybe, you, you know, I'm kind of like, I don't know if I buy it because, you know, like, there's a disconnect, you know, but she sold it. I was into it. I watched the whole thing and I was I was like, it was it was it was really good. It was really good. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they have Hollywood artistic license, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> it was based on a couple of real events that happened. So. Um, yeah, she did really well. And so now we're working on the TV series. Wow. That's exciting. That's exciting. Anything that's like things that are bringing, because I've done a few, a few interviews with a few people um, in different industries, you know, law enforcement, military, and they say things to me sometimes, like, I didn't even know executive protection was a thing. Like, this is a whole nother world. And I'm like, man, we got to get the, we got to get it out there. You know, this is, you know, so anything it's that true you- though. I mean, when I was a police officer, it was just something that the Royalty Protection Group did. You know, they looked after the Queen and the Royal Family. And then um, when you come into this world and you meet police officers now who still don't know, who still go, you do what, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hello, there's a whole... There's a whole private world out here, you know, with executive protection, surveillance, Mm -hmm. counter surveillance, um, undercover work, you know, investigations, all the stuff that is actually all around executive protection, you know, because you have to have the intelligence team, you have to have the counter surveillance team, and they have no idea of what really goes on. You know, I don't think the British public know, you know, the public in general don't understand our world. 
They think Absolutely. it's all MI5 and CIA and, you know, it's which it's not. Obviously, right. we don't have their budget, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but the premise true. is still the same. Yeah, really. And I've seen, or they think you're like square badge security at like, like maybe a mall or something. Like, yeah, like you say, cop. Yep. yeah. And you're like, no, it's, it's different. But anyway, I don't have time to explain. Then sometimes, you know, they're like, oh, like a bodyguard. And you're like, kind of, that's part of it at times, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's part of it. But there's a whole big picture that people just don't understand. I, I did an interview for the news over here the other day about mm-hmm. Harry and Meghan going to America, you know, okay. um, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Yeah. And they said, would you like the contract? And I said, no, <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a, right. Because, a, because you'd have to have armed bodyguards, which, of course, in Britain, we're, we're not allowed to be. Um, mm. We can when we go abroad in certain circumstances. But mm. I said, I don't think even Harry and Meghan understood how much it was going to cost because they'd had British royalty protection, which is the police. And, of course, as I said, um, all the intelligence and the counter-surveillance that that includes. And in the private sector, they've got to have the same thing. So I said, no, absolutely not. Do I want their contract? Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, that's because that's a a lot. Um, So real quick, you mentioned some, I guess, I really want to see if I can get some of those stories that you mentioned that, okay. that may have to do with the, uh, the just some of those stories that you mentioned out of you later. But I want just for people to get a kind of a grounding understanding of who you are. Uh, what's your tactical background? What do you what have you been doing? Tactical, you know, a breakdown of, so American. Yeah. Tactical. Um, okay, no, so I, I know. Disclaimer. <laughs> disclaimer. I asked this question almost as a joke because no, whenever okay. you get on a detail, you know, the guy's like, so what's your tactical background? You know, like it, it happens, right? But yeah. uh, oh, yes, all yes. the time. I, I'll you tell you a great story it. about that later. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I started off as a police officer um, in mm. uh, London. And but this was in the 1970s. OK, so probably wow. before you were born, Byron. Um, <laughs> we were Fair. really poorly paid, but yeah. and you joined the police because you wanted to be a police officer, not for the money or anything else. But again, there was wow. few women, um, but lots of people moonlighted. You know, they um, they had they worked in security secretly because you're not allowed to have a second job, or you weren't. And one of my detective sergeants. Um, had this contract to look after this family from the Middle East and they desperately needed a woman. They hadn't got a woman. And so he said, on your days off, or can you take some annual leave and come and do it? He said, and, you know, we're going to pay you £30 a day, which is like $45 a day. Well, when you're only taking home $150 a month as a police officer, that's a lot of money. So I was like, yeah, I'll do that. I hadn't got a clue what I was doing, okay? <laughs> I, had, I was like, okay, here's this nice lady from the Middle East in a burqa, and there are all these other women with her and all these kids, and they're like, oh, that's her, you know, that's her maids and that's her entourage, and I'm like, okay. Um, so after that, realising I hadn't got a clue what I was doing, um, I got offered the chance to go and get the training. And uh, I was trained by some great guys from the SAS, the British SAS, nice. who um, 
they'd never trained a female before. <laughs> and, so I'm sure they're like, all right, this is different. Okay, this is different. And also, of course, I, I came from a police background, not an army background. So I didn't understand the language, half of their language. In fact, one guy said to me one day, "Can you? Um, we need some shreddies. Now, shreddies to me is a breakfast cereal. Okay, okay. so I went out and bought a box of breakfast cereal. It's oh, not. Man. Apparently, it's underpants in army language. Wow. So I'm sure that that could almost have been your call sign after that. <laughs> like, yeah. like, that's how that happens. Ready. Yes. So um, anyway, I did all this great training. And then yeah. I got told about the private world. And as a female, they were desperate for females, um, either to do close protection, surveillance, undercover work. So I went into the private sector and thoroughly enjoyed myself I have to say I did some great jobs I did go back in the police um for about six years off um halfway through because I was fed up working undercover I was couldn't have told you my real name if you did ask me it you know uh, I went back as a police officer for about six years then came back out again into the private world and here I've been ever since <laughs> outstanding I love it that's so cool what um I can only imagine that there's just kind of like moving between those worlds. It's like you move from like a law enforcement to a paramilitary into the yeah. private sector and then back into law enforcement. Um, and of course, there, there, there was no other women. So I, most of the guys, I, as a police officer, you're used to working with guys. Yeah, yeah because, you don't even think about it. You're just around no. dudes all the time. But special forces guys like the SAS and then Delta Force, um, mm-hmm. they don't have women. So yeah. that was a bit of a, an eye opener for them. And so Absolutely. we'd work on jobs. I'd bring the gravitas. You know, they'd, they'd be there, let's kick the door in or go through the window. And I'd go, well, I'll just ring on the bell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting. The different ways, you know, the different tools that we all have. Sure. Um, uh, what, so who would you say you are at your core? You know, who is, who is Jackie Davis? Jackie at her core is probably the protector. Yeah, yes. I probably... Um, I mean, I love intelligence work. I love intelligence work. But my core is protecting people and things. Wow. And things. So really just protection, just like that line between, you know, good and evil and being able to contribute to that. Yeah. Justice. Justice is the thing. As long as you're on the the side of justice, you're okay. Okay. That's what's up. I love it. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. Pretty much, you know, everything that I am, I like to try to devote towards that protection, positive, you know, the justice, you know, the light in the world, you know, so that's outstanding. Uh, It's a fun question. We get fun answers, but the people who've really done protection for a lifetime, they are almost always like, I'm a protector of my core, just who I am. You know, that's outstanding. Has the COVID-19 thing affected you and your world? Or how has it? Um, not in our working world. God, no. Um, we're busier yeah. than ever. But we have, um, we're a small company, but we're quite diverse. So obviously executive protection, surveillance, intelligence work. We do a lot of intelligence. We have a cyber division and nice. we have a technical division, which is dealing, is actually putting out all these uh, thermal imaging cameras at the moment that tell your temperature as you walk towards it. So 100 people can walk towards it and it'll pick up the temperature of everybody. 
they were they're really oh. busy with that. Um, so that's like that's, that's a COVID nineteen. Yeah, that's a COVID nineteen thing. Um, on the other side, because of COVID over here, you know, we have lockdown, so mm. people can only go out for an hour's exercise a day. Um, everybody has to work from home. But we have a client that owns a 500-acre area that's a wildlife reserve. And normally my team are there doing anti-poaching. So we're stopping people from stealing the birds, the eggs, the fish. But they've opened it. It's open to the public to exercise. But trying to explain to people exercise is not bringing a crate of lager and having a picnic. Yeah. It's an ongoing thing. It's an <laughs> ongoing thing. So we're, yes. um, we're covering that for them at the moment as well. Mm-hmm. Because obviously our executive protection clients, uh, we have two that are stuck here in, in the UK that are Middle Eastern. They can't get home mm-hmm. because of yeah. no flights. Um, so obviously they're being looked after, but they can't go out. I mean, I've got more freedom than they have. You know, yeah. <laughs> As key workers, we can go, we can go out. Um, yes. As the principal, you can go out for an hour, go home. <laughs> uh, I'm sure they're driving. That's just going. And crazy. there's no shops open. Harrods is closed. Liberty yes. is Selfridges. So they got nothing. So there's to nothing do. to do. Oh man. And you, you know, with spare time with a client, you're like, okay, we've got a few hours of spare time. So watch out for a curveball on the schedule, you know, but now there's nothing to do. So they just probably in there going crazy. Going oh, crazy. No, going, Can't even mad. tell you to do something. Yeah. I've been, t- I've been teaching one of them how to cook. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> never cooked in her life. She's never cooked in her life. We're swapping mm-hmm. recipes now. She's getting Mad. hers off the internet and I'm giving her recipes and I want to see the result. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I mean, that's a great relationship too, builder. It sounds like, sure. you know, yeah. that's outstanding. So the COVID-19 things, and I've found with the families, things have definitely gone uh, on our side, you know, all the work that we're doing with families, things have gotten built up, you know, I've had to put in new residential details, but on the, um, anything production related, anything travel related, anything, uh, house of worship related has just been. Oh, same here. It's same tough. here. So. In, in, in fact, the company, the production company that's doing the TV series rang me today and they said, well, you know, we're ready to go, but nobody can film anywhere. And I was uh, like, no, I appreciate that. So we'll have to wait. But I'm working, so it doesn't matter to me. You know, I'm like, yeah, I'm, busy. Yeah. I'm a bit busy. busy enough, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful that you're busy. And did you, did I see correctly, do you have your own uh, boutique company, yeah. uh, female-centric boutique company? Well, um, op- the Optimal Risk Group, um, we have a male chairman, um, which we have nice. to have because the one thing with a lot of Middle East clients and Russian clients, mm-hmm. they won't talk to a female about money. They'll tell cultural. me their life history. They'll oh, yeah, tell it's a cultural thing. I'm being blackmailed here. I'm, you yeah. know, this is happening. I'm being stalked over here. But they won't talk money with women. So having a male chairman is great because he's he has to do all that side of it. And I find yeah. it highly amusing, but it, and it doesn't bother <laughs> me at all. It really doesn't bother me. Yeah, it's one less thing you got to worry about. It's one less thing, you know, that you have to deal with. That's awesome. You want me to keep you alive, but you don't want to talk to me about how much it's going to cost you. I just find it highly amusing. So growing up, kind of doing this, uh, your career in the private security industry and moving through law enforcement, did you ever 
deal with any type of, you know, discrimination or any friction points as being a female? And if you did, how'd you navigate those things? Yeah, in the in the early days, um, as I said, because mm-hmm. the guys weren't used to working with women. Um, mm-hmm. But as I used to point out, guys, you're the ones that trained me. So mm-hmm. therefore, I don't have the upper body strength you have. And I fully mm-hmm. accept that. But I can put a guy on the deck as much as you can because you taught me how to do it and throw it yes. back at them. And they're sort of like, oh, yeah, of course, yeah. So you know how to use the masculine ego to get things, to get things done. Oh, yes. <laughs> She's like, no, never. What are you, <laughs> Absolutely. What are you talking about? Men's yeah, brains right. between their legs. Um, yes. Yeah, it's real. Yeah. It's so real. <laughs> what about the... Um, do you have any advice for women who'd like to get into this industry? Sure. Um, don't come into it until you've had children and they're older. Because, honestly, um, nearly all my female colleagues that work with me, they either don't have children or their children are grown up. Because yeah. you can't come into executive protection and say, oh, I'm just going off to have a baby and I'll be back in a year. Well, you can come back after a year, but... I might say to you, well, here's a job. You're going to be away for three months. You know, yeah. it's not, oh, you're only going to be away for a week. You know, you can be away for months. So I would absolutely advise women, come into it when you're older and you've got some life skills. Um, and, in fact, that's not just for women. That's for guys too. Um, mm-hmm. have, get some life skills because you need to learn how to talk to people. Um, I had a... A young 25-year-old um, CP guy with me one day on a job, and I was off talking to the client, and he was in the kitchen with the client's wife, who wasn't sure what was going on, but knew something was because, you know, there was bodyguards. Yeah. And afterwards, he said to me, oh, my God, she started crying, and I didn't know what to say or do. I said, that's because you're 25, and you haven't <laughs> got the life skill yet, bless you, of... Yes. You know, dealing with a 60-year-old woman who's in tears because she, she doesn't know what's going on. Um, right. It's now a place to tell her. It's her husband's place if he wants, you know, wants her to know. So right. my advice to male and females is um, go and get some military or police background for the discipline. You need to learn discipline. You need to learn what time you have to get up in the morning. You've got to be yes. there at a certain time. You can't be late. You've got to be smart. You can't turn up with growth and you know all this sort of stuff um and that comes with life and maturity 100 yeah. so i i would honestly not advise anyone to come into our industry under 30 and women possibly later if if you want to have a family and children because once you're in this industry you're in nobody's going to put up with you saying i've got to take six weeks off because it's the school holidays I don't care it's the school holidays. It's the summer season. It's our busiest time. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, that's really good. Um, great advice on a lot of different levels because it just the, the rigor of the work is hard on the family. Um, if you're sure. on a travel, if you're with a traveling uh, principal, you know, it just yeah. is what it is. It just is what it is. And then the life experience thing has been big. I was blessed to be able to get into this industry at 21, but it was a real wow. special special uh circumstance with a special client and i just got back from iraq so i was like i was like 21 going on 30 you know what i mean like like i was a squad leader i was in 
leadership. You've got the experience. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, and the confidence. And so, but I've seen this phenomenon you're talking about multiple times with younger guys. And I try to give a shot because I got a shot when I was younger. Um, that life experience is huge. And then I have on the, uh, the opposite side of the spectrum. So I have a digital executive protection course called the training day success package. And I get emails all the time about older people uh, like fifties that are like after a, a career, they're like, sure. can I still come into the industry? And I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> Personally, yep. you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm the same. what would you say about that? The older demographics, maybe after a career thinking about coming into the industry. Well, it, Byron, I'm, I'm 60 and I'm still really? here. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, there you go. In this job we're doing at the moment, I'm walking 10 miles a day. Um, we had a client last summer, she insisted on walking 12 miles a day. And I saw females half my age that couldn't keep up. You know, so it's about your mind. It's a state of mind. Look after your body. um, Keep yourself fit. And um, make sure, because the older you are, the more experience you've got, providing you don't let yourself go. You know, if you look after yourself, you can be in this industry for as long as you are capable exactly yeah that's you exactly need to learn when you you need to make that decision of okay am i still capable can i still do this would i let my team down if i wasn't yes. able to yes. and that's a conversation i have with myself every year now mm-hmm. oh that's wisdom that's wisdom that's a great answer i uh, same thing that's the same thing kind of the same type of thing i tell them is if you're so physically capable, you bring a lot of experience to the table, you know, um, and that is invaluable. Because I think one of the primary considerations is, can I put you in, with a team and you can mesh well? And if you get to that position, can I put you with a client and yeah. uh, can you have a, a normal time with them without, you know, without making us look like idiots or, you know, anyone else involved, right? But also, um, you find like a lot of clients, especially in the corporate world, Uh um, they don't want to discuss Love Island or survival. They want to talk about the NASDAQ and the CAC and and the FTSE, you know, Um, or what's going on in the world. I mean, they're really not interested in, you know, the latest soap on TV. So that's the other thing um, that I have to explain to people is every day you've got to watch the news when you get up. And you've got to read a paper because your client wants yes. to know what's going on in the world and what's your opinion on what's going on in the world. Although you you learn to throw it back at them and before you answer, you say, what do you think? I mean, when, when Trump became president, every yes. single client said, what do you think of Trump? So you have to go, what do you think of Trump? Before you dare answer because you have to mirror their answer. Yes, <laughs> and it'll get you killed. Time. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. you'll say it'll get you killed one day. Oh, you say yeah. the right thing. Yeah, <laughs> they change their mind later on. You know, the wife hates them, the husband likes them. You're in the middle now. You know. Yeah. So that's what I've learned to do is say, "What do you think of him?" And they'll go, "Well, he's you know, he's the best thing since sliced bread, or he's a blithering yeah. idiot." Whichever they say, I'll agree. You know, it yeah. doesn't matter what my personal thoughts are. Yes. Right. Right. Yes. That's that's getting off the X for executive protection agents right there. You're you're sitting there and you're making it through the car ride to work or wherever you're taking them. Yeah. Navigating that social environment, really. Sure. 
That's, I mean, uh, you know, what's the thing we're all taught as executive protection? Don't discuss politics. Don't discuss religion. Yes. Politics, you know? religion. Absolutely. I think there's probably one more in there. This COVID-19 thing's becoming a little bit of a, <laughs> maybe a third one. How's the um, government going? You know, that's, uh, yeah. that's the thing you hear all the time. Is what do you think yeah. of the government? I think they're fabulous. Providing it's not a client asking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, right. You throw it back. What do you think? Yeah, yeah no, sorry. that's that's wisdom. I hope you guys are taking notes because this will help you survive. <laughs> this, that <laughs> that's how you best. survive in this industry. Yes. Don't. What is it like? Exactly. Yeah. Don't have an opinion because <laughs> it doesn't matter. There was a line in the movie. Oh man, where the client was like, the little girl was like, "I don't care what you think of me," and uh, the agent was like. I don't think anything about you. And I was like, oh, this is so beautiful. <laughs> it was so perfect. It's a because, job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you can't become emotionally or judgmentally enmeshed in the situation. I'm doing a job. I, I'm going to do the best I can because of who I am. And I, I don't get paid to think about you. <laughs> you know, it was beautiful, I thought. You are so right. I mean, uh, we had a client uh, for two years and they had a, a little a little boy who someone was trying to kill. And, you know, it was lovely two years. We traveled around the world and it was high risk because of this. But at the end of it, um, people would say, oh, do you wonder how he is? No, <laughs> because he's not my client anymore. You know, we kept right. him alive. Right. We kept him safe. You move on to the next job. You can't Absolutely. afford to keep having, you know, flashbacks going, oh, my God, I wonder what he's doing now. You know. If you needed me, cool. Exactly. And that's that's really, I think a lot of maybe younger agents have trouble making the distinction between, well, they get emotionally enmeshed. It's like it's seductive to have a powerful person like you. So they kind of go into it and they kind of want that a little bit. And, do, you not um, think that, do you not think some of them get sort of starstruck and they think, oh, they're my friend. They're never yes. your friend. They will drop you as soon as they're done with you. Stop Absolutely. Whoever it is you're looking after that's number one in the charts is your mate. They're not. You know? They're not. No. Yeah. And the sooner you understand the optics on the relationship, the happier and better off you're going to be. <laughs> you of know? course. I mean, we all know we're a shoulder to cry on for clients. You know, we're social comes. workers. Uh, yeah, we're yeah. marriage guidance counselors, well, not <laughs> <Yeah>. their friend. <laughs> but you're not. What is one of my? That, one of my buddies says you're not. Need to learn. Go on. Yes. Yeah. One of my buddies says you're not on the will, man. Don't. That's it. In the will. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not in the will, I like that. Yeah. What is it like to um, get into the industry over there where you're at? Um, For women, it's much easier. Okay. For guys, it's quite difficult because okay. what are you bringing in what skill have you got that the other three thousand guys out there haven't got Don't have. that's the thing for women it's much easier because we're so short of females um yeah. as you are in america all over the world yes. there is a shortage of females Huge um, demand on females yeah. in the industry. Yeah, especially, I mean, in our summer months when all the Middle East clients, royal families come over, they'll have mm -hmm. female teams. And, you know, I mean, 14 females on a team. 
person I would think. <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> wow. Um, so, yeah, for guys, it's a bit more difficult because unless they speak a language or they have a skill like, I don't know, jet skiing or skiing, mm. mountain climbing that a client may require at some time, they've yeah. all got pretty much got the same skills. And you can always tell the really good agents, they're the ones that have gone out and they've learned another language. They've got a skill. You know, they're like, oh, I'm a champion skier, which over here, you know, because in Europe um, during the winter months, of course, most of the clients want to go skiing. You know, they want to go to Courcheval or Italy skiing. Yes. Um, yes. You've got to have um, CP agents or EP agents that can ski, you know. Wow. Um, so you can tell you can tell guys that are really committed to doing this job because I've had a couple that have said to me, you know, oh, yeah, I, I want to do this. I go, well, what skill have you got? No, what do you mean? And when you say to them, well, another language, a European language especially, um, mm -hmm. or something like skiing, they've come back a year later, you know, speaking fluent Spanish. I'm like, now I know you're committed, you know. Wow. You really want to do this um, as a job as opposed to standing on a red carpet going, look at me. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> what? Um, that's a completely different kind of conversation, really, because it just doesn't work that way here. It's That's interesting. Um, okay, tell me how it works over there. <laughs> is, well, it, is it how big your gun is or um, how big I, I knew this was going to come <laughs> at some point in our conversation yeah no it's, I mean it really uh it the conversation isn't necessarily about skill it's very saturated you need to be near kind of where the work is first and foremost sure but now there are these big companies that are getting into this industry so there's like a career path if you get on with one of these bigger companies um that didn't exist when I started. It was like, you know, a guy yeah. and you just know a guy and it worked out and don't mess it up because you'll never happen again. <laughs> you know, now yeah. there's, you know, these AS solutions and Gavin De Beckers and they'll take a straight civilian and train them themselves and put them on maybe a residential detail and groom them there. And then um, if he can prove his worth and survive the politics, he gets up onto a movement detail, you know, which is where the guys with a little more like charisma and ability end up really is really what ends up happening. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of easy right now to get into the industry. Okay. So over here, we always say it's not what you know, it's who you know. This is, this is very Because you've got to know somebody to get onto a good team or to get yes. a foot in the door. What I disapprove of is mm -hmm. all these training companies because over here, you know, we have to be licensed. Yes. Um, yeah. It's like so regulated. We have to be licensed. They have to do a 140-hour course um, to be able to take the exam for the license. It's very nice. different here. Yeah, it is. It's great. Because if you've got a criminal record, don't even bother. But a lot of these training companies, um, they train, they, they want the money. Okay? So they'll tell these yeah. poor guys who are coming out of the army – um, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, come and train to be executive protection. It will cost you £3,000 for the course. And at the end of it, you know, you'll be standing on the red carpet. No, they won't. They'll be and lucky if they're standing on a gate at a festival. 
you know, for the first <sighs> year till they know people. And then they right. might get on a residential security team because that's what I always right. do. Um, we do like events. So we'll say you can work on the event team. Let's see how good you yeah. are at turning up and everything else. Then you can go on a residential security team. Let's see if you can how how good you are dealing with that. And then, but that you're talking three or four years before they ever get onto a CP team. You know? Oh yeah. But yeah, they the trainers don't the training companies don't tell them that they're like you'll do this course you'll be Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston's waiting for you. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's terribly unfortunate, and it happens over here as well. Um, that's interesting. Uh, how do you like having, I mean, I guess you kind of already said it because over here, it's still like the wild west. Like you get, we have people with varying skill sets, you know, uh, basically weeding themselves out through like either having credit in the industry. Like I know a guy or yeah. on a detail. Or, <laughs> so it's, how do you feel about having the industry so regulated? And uh, I think it's great. Yeah. I love it. Because when I first started, there was no licensing or anything. And mm-hmm. it, for what you call bouncers, we call doormen, you know, on nightclubs and all that sort of stuff. It was run yes. by villains, you know, before the licensing <laughs> came in. It was run yep. by villains and yardies and drug dealers, a lot of them. Yes. <laughs> so when the licensing came in, it was great. Got rid of all of them. Because they obviously oh. they don't have a criminal record, so they couldn't have a license, so they couldn't work. So wow. I'm, I'm really pleased we have licensing. But what I'd like to see is okay. the businesses licensed um, because here it's the individuals are licensed. So you, um, Mr. Rapist, can come out of prison tomorrow and open a security company, providing you don't do the work, but you employ licensed people. I'd like oh. the business owners to be licensed. Wow. Okay. So you can't yes. have a security business if you've got a criminal record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have it the opposite, I guess. We have, you've got to have a PPO to work in the state of California. You have to have a license, which yep. you have to then submit all kinds of things and jump through some hoops to go ahead and get done. You have to validate, you know, I think it's over 10,000 hours. I don't remember what it was, but it was it's years of experience in the industry and things like sure. that, um, which is nice. Not just anybody can just have a PPO, you know. Um, Interesting. So we so we kind of have the opposite sides of the spectrum over here sure. and over there. Yeah. Uh, but the How other you... thing that the, the training providers don't tell people if you've got a criminal record, you can do the course, but you'll never get a license. Oh. They don't tell them and they should. They should say, Absolutely. listen, if you've got a criminal record, forget it. You know? Yeah. Don't even don't waste your three thousand dollars doing the course. But of course they're trainers and all they want is the money. There are some reputable firms, don't get me wrong, that will say to people, there are some really, a couple of really reputable companies um, who if anyone ever says to me, uh, I want to go into this industry, who should I train with? I'll recommend one of those two or three companies because you know the guys who run the company actually do the job as well, you know, because to me it's no good having an instructor that isn't out doing the job, you know, Yes. Because anyone can pick up a book and read it um, and mm. go, this is what we're going to teach you today. But if they've never done the job, they really don't know. And that's, yeah, that's something that's big for me because I, I went to a few schools and I was like, there's a disconnect here between like real world, what I've been, because I didn't get any formal training until 
like my seventh year in the industry because I just, I, I didn't really need it. And then actually on the certification uh, regulation issue, we have lower level certification. So if you want to be basic security, you need to get, you need to go ahead and get your guard card. Yeah. If you want to carry a gun, you have to get an exposed weapons permit. But in sure. executive protection certification, we don't have, which I think I, I, a lot of people moving towards trying to get that to happen. So I see it happening in the next few years. Oh, you should. You oh, should have it yeah. happen because I've worked in the States a lot mm-hmm. with varying degrees of people who tell me they're executive yeah. protection. <laughs> and, you're like, and the yeah, it varies, unfortunately, widely. But um. On the training thing, yeah, having a trainer that's in the field is huge because I experienced that when I went to a few things. I saw some things and heard some things, and I was kind of like, man. And that's kind of, you know, with what I'm doing, it's just this is what I did today. Like, I'll come back and tell my class, like, this is the operation I did today. The pitfalls, this is how you can do better and do worse. Um, and it's just all about real-world stuff. And I think that's that's what the industry needs. Oh, it's nice to have. Yeah, no, thank you. Go ahead. No, I was just saying it's uh, absolutely, you've got to have real world um, people, you know, trainers telling you what happened or what can happen, where a choke point is. And, you know, um, we don't teach executive protection in my Mm -hmm. company. We teach surveillance. But my surveillance instructors are surveillance operators as well. You know, so um, the good thing, like with executive protection, you can teach students something that's not in a book because a classroom is only as good until, you know, a plan is only as good until you put it into plan, until you get out there yes. on the street. Yeah. Absolutely. So surveillance is hard. <laughs> I learned personally. Yeah, for me, it was difficult because I can't really disappear that easy. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. You probably can tell me, but. Well, I got a few, all right, so my experience, I got a few, like, surveillance details. They're like, yeah, follow this guy around, make sure he doesn't go here, da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, yeah, 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 me and a buddy, we get some rental cars, we go try it out. We got the cops called on us. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> oh, I was like, I'm, I'm, I, I know, right? I'm going to hire somebody to do this next time one of these comes. Um, so that's, that was, so I'm sure I could learn a thing or two from you. Of course I'm, you could. I mean, the, the, yes. The funniest thing with surveillance, I mean, we we literally follow people around the world. So really? that's, uh, yeah. So, so planes, trains, automobiles. Absolutely. I mean, really? Yeah. That's so you've, cool. got to have a, you've got to have a decent team who know what they're mm-hmm. doing. But the interesting thing, again, here, the shortage of females and mm-hmm. shortage of black operators for really? surveillance. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, we have... Um, in London, of course, we have areas that are predominantly black or Indian or Asian. Yeah. Yeah. So me, nice Miss White English girl going and sitting at a bus stop in Brixton. It'd be like sitting in Harlem. Hello. Hey. I don't really blend in. You know? oh, that, yeah, that's a def- definitely a good point. Let's see. What would you say uh, would be in terms of. Well, we talked about this a little bit, but uh, what would you say are the hardest lessons you've learned in the field over your time in this industry? Uh, The hardest lessons I've learned, as I've said to you before, people aren't your friend. Make sure that your team members are. Make sure Mm. that you're all working together. You've all got the same goal. Um, One doesn't want to be the standout 
prima donna, you know, yes. we're all there for the same thing. That's some of the hard, hard lessons. And also, if you get a new client, do due diligence and get a deposit. <laughs> yes, that's uh, yeah. Do due diligence. Get that. Uh, get at least half of that up front. Get something up front because and due diligence on your client. I mean, I I uh, remember back in the nineties, we used to our government, our department for trade used to have a thing where they used to pay us to go and sell our services to the Americans and the South Americans, and used to have conferences in like Baltimore and Miami and these big shows, you know, like gun shows and. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I did a few of them, and I know at the Miami one I got approached by some South American guys, yeah. Yeah. and luckily I was chatting to the FBI guy at the next stand, and he went, "Do you know who that okay. is?" <laughs> and I was like, yes. "No, who are they?" And he said, "They're Escobar's people." I was like, "I oh. don't want to go and train them, then, do I?" <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, so do due diligence to make sure that. The people you're working for are good guys, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. not bad guys. Absolutely. And I've seen some, I've seen a number of situations up here in Hollywood where you get on with a client and they have a history of not plant paying their com- the companies that work for them. Oh, and so I, I, took got- a, I took a well-known Hollywood uh, person to court for non-payment. Yes. So, yeah, you got to do your due diligence, you know, and. Also kind of, you know, moving out of the, you know, I know a lot of new guys will just jump at the opportunity. It's like, you got to figure out why they need protection. Yeah. Figure out what you're getting yourself into, you know, exactly. and if you're prepared for that. Yeah, yeah. That is the thing. I mean, you can find some, I don't find it so much in the corporate world, but in the celebrity world, they get mm-hmm. themselves into situations which if they just shut their mouth or get off social media, they wouldn't have that problem. You know? Exactly. Yeah, and, you live longer. Um, I mean, have you seen the footage of Justin Bieber where he's wanting to have a go at, I don't know, or a reporter or something? He gets out of the vehicle and the bodyguard's holding him back. Well, yeah. you know what? If the bodyguard wasn't holding him back, <laughs> he wouldn't have got out of the vehicle, would he? You know? No, exactly. Forget. Yeah. Oh, look, I've got all these big burly guys with me, so I can have a pop at you because they're going to take you on. Yeah. Or they check in at at a location while they're there and you just see the storm clouds of people converging on your location. And you're like, what? Just I've found it useful to follow my clients on social media, have the guys at the at the uh, sock, have the guys um, at the CP following them just so they can tell me, hey, he or she just checked in at the blah, 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 where you're at right now you know, stand by for contact from everyone. Um, well, well, we have to do that with stalkers. When you have a known stalker, oh, I yeah. put a surveillance team on them. So yes. that um, if my client is doing a, oh, I don't know, you know, a book signing Show. or a red carpet, well, the stalker is under observation by the surveillance team. And if they start moving towards my area, then obviously the surveillance team will stop them. Or, you know, they geotag. So you've only got to look at the pictures they're taking to know exactly where they are. People just don't understand this is how it works. You can track people very, very easily these days. You know? Very. <laughs> well, the digital world. How do you feel it. about, yeah, for some of us, it's a great advantage. And for others, well, oh, yeah. you don't know it's what not. you don't know. <laughs> how do you feel about firearms and with regards to protection? 
but you guys have to it's, do things differently. Okay, so it depends who you're looking after. Um, mm-hmm. It depends what the risk is, what the threat level is, uh, yes. as to whether or not I would be armed. I mean, obviously, I've been armed many times when I've been in, like, Pakistan, India, mm-hmm. several Middle East countries. Um, I'm, I wouldn't be armed in Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've been armed when I've been in the States because there was such a high risk against uh, a threat against the client. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, we're not great gun people over here. We'd rather talk <laughs> you out a bit. <laughs> yes, I completely understand. Um, do you have any pitfalls or mistakes that you'd like to warn uh, people against? Pitfalls and mistakes, Yes. One of the things you always need to make sure as a CP operator, surveillance too, always make sure you've got a credit card with some money on it because you never know where you're going to end up or as clients are great going, can you sort that bill out and I'll sort it out later. And, you know, you're paying a $7,000 bar bill. (laughs) Yeah. That's, uh, you know, that's something people need to think about. Um, Pitfalls. What other pitfalls are there? Not having the right clothing. Don't please don't go and buy you know a Walmart suit and think you're gonna go stand next to your you know billion dollar uh, high net worth client because it looks awful. (laughs) I'm not saying you've got a company. Oh, the company looks off. It makes everyone look yeah, bad. It makes everyone look really bad. Don't be cheap. Don't wear yes. cheap shoes. And God's sake, make sure you've got leather shoes on so that for comfort, you know. Yes. That's some of my top tips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. I love it. I mean, this is the, these are the little things people don't think about. They get a job and they go, Soft skills. jump in. Soft skills are what a lot of guys that come out of the military, and I'm going to pick on the military a little bit here. Do I it. love them. It's, but the yes. softer skills. So if I'm going to go into the Ritz, and because my client will say, no, I want you to sit at my table, you've got to know which knife and fork to use. You've got to know which yes. water glass to use. And the pitfalls I find with a lot of the guys, they don't have the softer skills. They they don't know that. They don't know about the napkin and the knife and you know that can be embarrassing if they haven't got those skills and it really is really soft skills but a lot of guys forget about it they think it's all guns and ammo and you know let's go shoot the bad guy but more often than not it's do you know which knife and fork to use Mm -hmm. yeah are you going to make my brand look better with you sitting here you know, or you're going to embarrass me and thus embarrass me. Or are you going to embarrass the client? You know Exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> like, because like, you're I, part of the client's brand if I you're at the table. Great, I have a great um, Hollywood um, client. And when she yes. came over, I had, I had to teach her how to eat scones. You know, British really? scones are a great thing. So you have scones, you have to put the jam on first, then the cream on top. And okay. She okay. looked at these and she went, I really like the look of those. I said, they're scones. I said, but you have to eat them in a particular way. <laughs> Good so, no. Things like that. When you're actually educating your client on something, <laughs> something so simple. Um, yeah. I had another Middle East client who, who wanted to know the history of our royal family, wow. which, of course, you have to know. 
you know? Better. <laughs> we, have a, That's... we have another one that walks around London, and as we pass every embassy, she'll ask you what flag it is. Whose flag is really? it? Really? Yeah. This is so these these are the little things people don't think about. You know, these are the soft skills I say in my pro- program. Soft skills will get you paid. Hard skills may save your life, Absolutely. but the soft skills will keep you in the game. Yeah. And uh you get in the ride with that sweet little old lady or whoever that client is, and she starts asking you what the flags are, and you don't know, maybe she doesn't want you to drive or ride with her tomorrow. <laughs> you know, maybe she wants the agent who did know. And every every EP agent should know. Mm-hmm. The concierge in every five-star hotel, because like personally, like they, you like should have a relationship. Like have a conversation, yeah, have a personal conversation with them because I tell you what, those guys can get you out of so much shit. It's unbelievable. You know, you have a client who goes, "I want to go to Disney World tomorrow, and I yes. want twelve VIP tickets." And this is at midnight, you know. Uh huh. Yeah. And you're like, run down, see Mario the concierge, you know, in the Beverly Hilton. Hello, love. I need. Yes. Yes, At please. At six o'clock in the morning, I've got them. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You and really, you better take care. Yeah. Take take care of that concierge too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Or you have a client who say, "I want to go to a vegetarian restaurant in ten minutes." They're like, "Okay, Mario, the concierge, what's the nearest vegetarian you'd recommend?" <laughs> yes, that one hundred percent. And always, always be nice to the housekeeping staff. You know, I hate EP agents who stay in five and six star hotels and forget they are still a member of staff. They're still employed by somebody. Well, so is the girl that comes in and makes your bed and changes the towel. She's just doing her job. So don't be snotty, you know? Yes. 100%. Don't leave the room in a, don't trash the room going, oh, the maid will clean it up in the morning. Who the hell do you think you are? She's doing a job. You're doing a job. One hundred percent. Yeah. No, you're just the help. You're of all of you. <laughs> You've got You're your just the hired help. Yeah. Yep. And it, life's easier once you just realize that their success isn't your success. Your success right, is so getting them, you know, from A to B. <laughs> yep. You know. Um, Be nice to everyone because you never know respectful. who you're going to meet. Yeah. 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 And they can make your life easier, or they can make it more difficult. <laughs> you know. When that turndown service isn't done right <clears throat> and your yep. client's calling you to fix it, you know, it, it, that's, uh, that's something. What would you say are your proudest moments over your career? Proudest probably keeping the high-risk clients where we've had a, a real threat, keeping them alive, keeping them moving, um, wow. keeping them safe. Obviously, I'm really proud of the fact that we have had some hairy moments um, mm. with various clients, um, but you know, we've kept them safe. And also hostage rescue, because I've I've rescued several women and children who've been kidnapped and taken to the Middle East or Pakistan. Um, I'm proud of I'm proud of getting them home. Wow. Can you share with us a story about that? About any of that? Um, yeah, I can uh, so Pakistan's probably one we had a British girl who'd gone to university, met this guy from Pakistan, was bowled over by him, married him. And then he said, oh, you know, I want you to come back to my country for six weeks, meet the family, blah, blah. So she goes, but her mum, she was very close to her mum, her mum hadn't heard from her for about six months. 
and was really concerned because she could not get and she thought they'd only gone for six weeks. And then one day the mum got a note put through her front door in England and the note was written by her daughter and it said, Mum, please help me. I'm, I'm, I'm being starved, I'm being beaten, I'm being raped. And the note had been put through, she'd managed to smuggle it to somebody else that was coming to England. So mum contacted me and we went out to Pakistan to uh, find find the villa where she was being kept. And basically, this guy had married her, um, treated her like a lot of people of different religions think that Western women are just whores. You know, it's like, so he'd taken her back. The family didn't like her. Um, she was literally chained to a bed uh, in a room. And the men in the family just all went in and raped her. Um, and, of course, she was beaten. She wasn't fed properly. So we arrived in Pakistan. We found this villa after a lot of surveillance work. And I went in one night uh, in through her bedroom window and said, listen, shush, your mum sent me. We will come and get you out. But, you know, you've got to be patient. We'll come back for you. And she was three, she said, I'm three months pregnant. So we were like, okay. Anyway, to cut a long story short, earlier on, a couple of years before, I looked after Benazir Bhutto, who was the president of Pakistan at the time. And several women had approached me saying, listen, my children have been kidnapped by their fathers and taken there. Is there any chance if you ever, you know, could you ask her about it? So I did. I said, you know, I I was, I thought I'm only ever going to look after you once and I don't actually like you. But so I said to her, you know, these women are, um, their children have been kidnapped and taken to Pakistan. Is there anything you can do to help? And she said, how much are they willing to pay me? To pay her, the president. And I was like, right, okay, so we know where you come from. So we understand, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand your motives. <laughs> So anyway, um, whilst I was in Pakistan, we were staying, we were in Islamabad in a hotel. And who comes in at lunchtime but her and her entourage, Bhutto. And she looked over at me and I guess she realised why I was there for some, not for what she would consider a good reason. And about two hours later, I got a phone call, um, which I believe came from the British Embassy, but I don't know, saying, get out, they know who you are. And my colleagues and I said, we're okay, but we're not leaving without who we've come for. So we hired a cab, a taxi. Uh, we ran the gates of the villa. Um, I went for, I went to get her. I got her. They took on the gardeners and whoever else was about. And we got her out. But we couldn't go out by boat, which we would have liked to have done. He's gone south and... Um, gone over into India by boat up the of Kutch because it was monsoon season. So our only choice was to go over the mountains, over the Himalayas. So that took us three days to walk that. Um, and, of course, we had to walk at night and sleep during the day. Now, bearing in mind, as I said, I'm with, you know, ex-Special Forces guys, super fit, I'm fit. I've got a 23-year-old girl who's three months pregnant has been beaten and, and starved. Yeah six months she was my hero honestly she just kept going and kept going um we ran into we knew we were being pursued by the pakistan army and we'd 
gone into um, uh, a rebel area by accident. And so, of course, the rebels then were shooting at the army. The army was shooting at the rebels. We're caught in the crossfire, but we're okay. And then we stopped walking about four o'clock one morning, early hours in the morning. And I woke up at six. I could hear cowbells. And I looked over this ridge and it said, um, do you read the Times of India? And we'd, we were in India. We'd been in India probably for half a day and hadn't quite realised. Yeah. So um, we went down into this town, found a, you know, a little hotel, got ourselves cleaned up, asked them if they knew where we could get a taxi from. And, of course, the guy goes, oh, yeah, my brother-in-law owns a taxi. And so half an hour later... Around the corner comes this uh, seven-seater espace. And we get in it and we say, you know, we, we've got to get to New Delhi because we need to get on a plane. And he says, yeah, okay, if we get stopped by the police, um, can you offer them cigarettes? And we're like, okay. So this guy is driving and he's got a mate with him who we presume is the other driver because it's about a three-and-a-half, four-hour drive. But the one guy driving has got like a, a towel over his arm, you know, so like a waiter. We thought yeah, it was odd. Yeah. We get stopped by the police and said, where are you going? Oh, we're going to Delhi. We're just British tourists. Gave them some English cigarettes and money. And we go on our way. But the smell of <laughs> cannabis from these two drivers who are like smoking weed like it's going out of fashion. <laughs> and the guy's going, oh, my God, oh, my God. I thought I thought I was in trouble. And I'm like, what, for smoking the weed? This is the driver. And he pulls his towel off and he's got no arm. No hand. And he goes, no, it's illegal to drive with only one hand in India. <laughs> You're stoned out your heads. You've got one hand. What else can happen on this job? <laughs> Jeez, man. Good Lord. That's just wild. Yeah. So anyway, we got to Delhi. We got on a plane and we, we pulled her home. That's, uh, but that was one of the scariest jobs, I have to say. Yeah, that's beautiful. I'm just glad that the Pakistan army are lousy shots. I have to say, they don't look after their weapons, so, you know. <laughs> Good. Thank God. That's a beautiful story. That's amazing. I mean, that's living, man, to be. That's that's the righteous thing. That's outstanding. Well, that's what we're trained to do, right? We're trained to protect yes. people in whatever circumstances. So if you can put that training to good use for the mm -hmm. good, do it. Outstanding. Yeah, 100%. So you're looking at your buddy and you guys are like, hey, how are we going to do this? We're running out of time. They know who we are. Let's just ram the front gate. <laughs> Let's just ram the front gate and take and, and take her out of there. Yeah. I mean, we've done enough. We've done enough surveillance, surveillance tonight. Yeah. During the day, there was only her and like granddad and a gardener. You know, we've done enough uh -huh. surveillance to know the lifestyle of this villa. So we were like, yeah, let's just. Um, but we, we, the taxi driver, he's like, it's my taxi. And we said, we'll buy you a new one, just around the gate. You know? Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. That's good. So I see like little pieces of that from the movie, like little pieces, yeah. maybe. That's yeah. interesting. That's so cool. Outstanding. Well, that's a great story. I'm glad you were able to do that. Um, well, let's see. Uh, we're, last, as we wrap up, we got a few more questions for you. What would you say? Do you have any predictions or any? Where do you see the future of our industry going? With the terrorism threat? I mean, uh, do you know what worries me is this COVID-19? Don't turn mm -hmm. your back on the terrorists because they haven't oh, yeah. turned their back on us. 
you know? Right. They might not be able to shoot 100 oh, people yeah. in a nightclub, but they can blow it up. They can still blow yeah. buildings up, you know? Yeah. So the terrorism threat, until somebody can finally take out ISIS, Daesh, whatever you want to call them, that's always that's going to be there, and you're going to have all these silly little wannabe offshoots and offshoots, and <laughs> you know it's so sad to be perfectly honest that these kids kids are radicalized in a couple of weeks now, you know, and they're going to go out normally with a knife in this country because we don't have that much access to guns um, and start stabbing a load of people or drive at them, you know, across a bridge, uh, they're going to die because the police will shoot them. You know, we do have armed police <laughs> units. Yes. And they're yes. going to die. And I think our industry is, depending on who you're looking after, of course, is going to grow even bigger because yeah. of these yeah. offshoots of these terrorist groups. And whoever they're doing, whoever your corporate client is doing business with, Somebody's not going to like it, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So, so I, I, our industry will just grow whilst there, this terrorism grows. Our industry will grow. Yeah, and as uncertainty and fear and all these things multiply, I think we'll just continue to to grow because we represent Absolutely. safety. But, but what you can't do is allow terrorists to win. So every time something happens, like nine eleven, I was there for that. You have got to. Keep going. You know, mm. don't change your lifestyle because of something like that. They're winning. If you go, oh, I'm yeah. not going, I'm not yeah. going into Times Square tonight because you know there was a an incident there three nights ago, they're, they're winning. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Gotta be you've got to just continue. Don't let them have what they want, which is to impact your, your life, your society. Uh favorite quote, mantra, saying, or anything like that that you have? Favorite quote. Um, personally, as as a team leader, um, mm-hmm. I'll never ask you to do what I'm not prepared to do myself. Yes. Um, but I guess my favorite one is: if it's raining, learn to dance in the rain. <laughs> I like that one. Yes, I'm gonna write that down. Well, because sometimes I- you know people think the rain clouds are over them and it's doom and gloom. Just learn to dance mm-hmm. in the rain. Yes, be resourceful and be positive. Just maintain be that kind. progressive. Be kind to people, you know? Yes. It goes so far. Um, just being leading with respect, leading with kindness. It is really a better way to live your life. It just is. <laughs> 100%. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, do you have a habit or anything that you'd like to uh, recommend that people try? Uh, a habit? Better I smoke. Yeah. How much of a habit do you want? I smoke cigarettes. That's my habit. <laughs> you guys smoke so Don't much over there. this at home. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Um, awesome. So what are you up to these days? Where can people find you? Uh, where can you find me? So, okay, I think I've got a website. My agents tell me. Um, mm-hmm. JackieDavis.com. I believe, or Jackie.davis.com. I don't know. I've never even looked at it, to be honest. Um, yes. I've got another book coming out. It's the circuit. Uh, I think you can get on Amazon. Um, another another book. Book. So, wait, you have two books? You have one book already? Let's talk about that yeah. for a second. Yeah. What you got? What's going on? I haven't um, read so it. So that's called The Circuit. 
that's an autobiography from when I started as a cop, and that takes us up to uh, 9-11, basically. Wow. Okay. And then and the there's second... another one. There's another one coming now for the last 20 years. My, how my wisdom has changed from being that. <laughs> I remember being, um, sadly, when I was, I think, 35, my husband died, or 36, my husband died. Okay. And my life and his life had always been about work. You know, you're married mm. to work. You're married to work, then you're married to each other. Mm. I learned something after he died was spend more time with the people you care about. So yes. um, I went through a phase after that of I've always believed when, when it's your time to go, it's your time to go. You know, nothing I can do is going to change that. But I did go through a 10-year phase of not giving a shit whether I did or not. You know, I'm going to go and do that job. If I get killed, well, so what? You know, that's life. Um, I'm not in that phase anymore, but I still believe when it's your time to go, it's your time to go. You know, whether you get hit by a bus tomorrow or, you know, shot taking a bullet for your client. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, that that's very intriguing. I'm very interested to see what that second, the first and second book is. So that'll be good. Well, thank you so much for your time and attention, oh, thanks. Jackie. Thanks for the interview. I'll send you over the book. I'll send you over. Yes, really. Okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And any links and stuff too, send sure. over. Go ahead. Okay. I was going to say, hopefully, if it goes ahead in December, I'm coming out to Vegas for the conference. Yes, the, that uh, close protection conference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm persuaded now to go because the last one I went to a few years ago was just so embarrassing. Oh man! <laughs> well, it's gotten a lot better. It's got, I didn't. I I have only gone to the last couple, um, but um, they've gotten a lot better from what I've seen. Uh, and so I'll see you there. It'll be Absolutely. it'll be fantastic, outstanding. Okay, well, good to go. Thank you so much for uh, your time and attention. This has been a beautiful conversation. I'm still reeling from the uh, story you told us about rescuing the, the young lady from Pakistan. That's amazing. Um, and, yeah, and it's an, it's an honor. Thank you so much for all the things you've done as a protector. And, you know, even with the show, uh, with the, that movie, Close, you know, that's a great contribution to our industry, you know, to get, you know, females excited about it and just to let the world know what it is that we aim to do and protection so and and i appreciate you doing these podcasts to educate people into what we do as opposed to what they think we do <laughs> yes absolutely. and hopefully also get some more people into the industry you know get some yes. especially some more females we we need girlies yes yes that we all agree with you on that so hopefully that's what this will do as well all right thank you jackie uh, you. take care yes you talk too. soon Bye. Yo, if you're a private security professional wanting to take your game to the next level, go to executiveprotectiontrainingday.com to check out my personal success package for private security professionals. Check it out, executiveprotectiontrainingday.com. And remember, y'all, hard skills do save lives, but soft skills get you paid. Boom. Boom. And to support this podcast, go to executiveprotectionlifestyle.com and contribute to our Patreon account. That Patreon account is what 
helps me make this podcast possible, contributing to this brand, what we're doing here, making it so that I can bring better guests on, making it so that we can plan more events and just expand the contribution to the private security industry and also to make an America a safer place. Do whatever you can, contribute whatever you can, because it makes all of these things possible. Thanks for those contributions. Yo, and before we go, you know I got a shout out to the sponsors, starting out with Primary Weapon Systems, PWS. They truly are the evolution of the rifle. Use Byron for 10% off. Grayman and Company, the most comfortable tactical suits in the game. Use Byron for 10% off with them. Ballistic Theory. You're going to start seeing a lot of stuff with me in Ballistic Theory because they got good ammo for good prices. Use Byron for my discount with those guys as well. Last but not least, Executive Protection Institute. Hey, go check them out and get your executive protection education on. Until the next podcast, this is Byron Rogers, protected by nature and by trade. Out.